What I wanted to do this morning with you is share an update of where we are as a church and to share a little bit of my heart as we move forward. What's that? You're going in and out when you talk. Okay. Well, um, that might be the connection that we have inside the church here, too. Sometimes that happens as well. So we're going to have to work with what we have, okay? So. Okay. Today, I want to talk a little bit about reframing our mission. Last week, or actually two weeks ago, we did not meet last week because of the Willoughby 5K. We started a series called Reframe, and we're going to continue this series uh, through the end of November, and uh, then we will be at Advent time and preparing for Christmas. But in this idea of reframing our mission, I want to share with you a little bit of what has transpired in the last few weeks. Let me review for you just a few thoughts that um, might help you uh, to get caught up to date. So Shade Tree Community Church started six years ago this September, and it was on the heels of me stepping down from a very long ministry that I had at another church. And the reason for that was um, the church that I had pastored for 28 years uh, decided that they were not going to be uh, open to the LGBTQ community. And uh, that was something that Esty and I could not embrace because we have a son who is LGBTQ. And uh, we uh, felt God working in our heart to fully embrace the community, and to love the community. After I uh, finished that tenure, uh, took a couple of months break, and there was a core of people from the ministry there that uh, said, why don't we start a church that is inclusive and open? And uh, so after some prodding and prayer, that's what we did. And we began over at the Davis-Babcock Funeral Home and we met there for a number of months uh, in their main room and until there was an opportunity to move the ministry up to the McKinley Outreach Center up in North Willoughby. And uh, we met up there in the gymnasium for a couple of years and actually our youth group ministry still meets there on Thursday nights. And it was uh, a, a a facility that was a hundred-year-old school that was taken over by some local ministries here to be an outreach to uh, those uh, people in the community of lower income. So there was the distribution of food and clothing and other ministries as well. And uh, so we decided to move up to McKinley. The only problem was... um, The roof at McKinley was leaking quite a bit, and there were some other problems we ran into. And this ministry opened up here at First Christian Church when I met a couple that um, came through the funeral home and was talking a little bit uh, about the ministry and asking whether or not we might consider joining their ministry here and helping each other out. And so that's what we did, and we had been here 
about three years, and um, we have um, enjoyed the facility. Uh, but over the last few th- weeks, some things have changed. And that's what I'm going to share with you after I uh, talk a little bit about how important it is for our mission. So over on the banner here, we initially had this uh, banner printed up to just kind of share what we're trying to do here. Our mission to journey alongside other people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ in a loving and inclusive community. And what we have found over the last six years, uh, especially, is that that mission statement probably was not uh, as expansive as it needed to be. And so hang on to that for a moment, and I'll share with you something here in a moment. Um, Two weeks ago when we started this series, Reframe, we talked about the art of reframing our life as we go through the seasons of our lives we reframe our life over and over again. And we said that reframing is not only a part of life, but it's also found in the Bible as well, as the Bible continues to reframe all the way from the beginning to the end. And the last thing that we said is that uh, reframing is a part of wisdom. It's what helps us make good decisions to begin to look at the circumstances that we are in and reframe the situation that we are in. So we've come to a time in the history as a church here to reframe our mission. And you see at the bottom here uh, this statement that I wrote that I think is very important. Shade Tree is a safe place for spiritual sojourners seeking faith in an all-inclusive community of love and acceptance following Jesus as the way of wisdom. Now the key words in that is safe place. Yes, open and inclusive Uh, is something that we want to stay true to. But what I have found is a lot of churches put on their marquee, all are welcome. But that's kind of a trick to get people to come in, and not all people are welcome once they get inside. And that has hurt a lot of people. And I don't care if it's someone from another religion, someone from another status uh, economically in life, or a part of the LGBTQ community, it's kind of interesting that once people get into a church setting, they see the real values of that church and they come out. And a lot of times uh, people do not feel accepted and embraced. And so it, does not, it, it is not a safe place for them anymore. Uh, the more aggressive a ministry is to try to change people or control people, uh, it becomes even less safe. And so this idea of adding the idea of being a safe place where people uh, who maybe have moved beyond the religious machinery of churches, and I choose those words intentionally, a lot of times churches are like a machine. It's, it's something that uh, controls what they do and who they reach and who's acceptable and who's not acceptable. And so I began to think about this a lot. And over this summer, uh, what we have done on Wednesday night, which I do a study on Wednesday night, I did a deep dive for three months uh, talking a little bit about how we in our day and age are at the intersection where there is often a a collusion and a collision of identity, culture, and control. 
And uh, we talked a lot about why there is such a cultural divide among us in our country and why the church has looked the way it looks here, especially over the last six years. And one of the things that I used was a book by Kristen Dumez. She's a professor up at Calvin uh, University in Grand Rapids. And I encourage you to read this book if you would like to see kind of the history, especially of evangelicalism, over the last 50 years. And the name of the book is called Jesus and John Wayne. I won't explain the title, but it'll make a lot of sense once you read it or understand it. Or you can go to YouTube if you would like to kind of follow up on some of that information that I shared. It's on our YouTube channel. It's called Intersection, the Collision of Identity, Culture, and Control. And so one of the things that has especially has happened over the last 50 years is Christianity has been, become more political and more power-hungry. And I, that's my perspective uh, as I read the material and as I do the research, and it concerns me quite a bit. If we track some of the cultural divisions, uh, it's the misguided attempt sometimes to use religion and politics as a way of controlling the culture. And there are specifically two cultural issues that Christianity has used to try to galvanize votes here in America. One is uh, women's rights to choose is one issue. And the other issue is LGBTQ rights uh, for fair civil liberties and the freedom to marry whomever they love. These two issues have been used for decades and um, what has happened is the original founders of our country, as written in our Constitution, it has been ignored, especially by the Christian community. You might say, well, what is that? Our, the original framers of our Constitution uh, saw the addictive nature of both religion and politics coming together. And this is what they wrote in the Constitution. Congress shall make no law respective uh, an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And that includes the Christian religion too. In other words, this is a democracy where people are to have the freedom to worship as they want to worship, worship where they want to worship with their own set of doctrinal beliefs. And um, that's a part of faith. You take in some of the things that uh, you believe to be true and it becomes part of the core of your worldview. Well, we are to give that freedom to other people too, people that are very different from us or maybe believe things that are different than us. And yet at the same time, when religion is mixed with politics, it becomes a hell of a drug. It really does. And it seems as though it becomes such a powerful desire to grasp for more power. And I believe that that is what has really happened over the last six years especially. Um, we no longer can be just open and inclusive allies of other people. We need to be a safe place where those who are targeted by Christian nationalism find themselves vulnerable. 
We need to be a safe place where people from all spectrums of life can journey with us in learning the ways of Jesus and the nature of God as love. And so it is our mission to be a place of safety, not just openness and inclusiveness. And it's okay if people walk in that do not believe as we do. It's okay, we accept them, we love them, we listen to them, we dialogue with them, we don't try to control them. And so, over the last six years, what we have seen is the rise of Christian nationalism. Franklin Graham and others like him have been at the head of this, and in one of his social media posts, he wrote this, can you imagine what a difference it would make if Christians ran for every office at all levels across our country, city council, school board, mayor? We need to get involved and take a stand for biblical values and morals before it's too late. If you agree, share this. You know what that sounds to sounds like to me is we want to gain full control of the government and then we can begin to colonize people within the Christian religion. So Christian nationalism is not contributing uh, to the conversation that we should be having with people uh, of different faith, uh, but a desire to try to control the outcome. Now, What's not reflected in Franklin Graham's social media post is I've been in the ministry now 35 years and I've sat upon dozens and dozens and dozens of committees. And Christians can't even get along in choosing what color of carpet to put into a place, let alone uh, deep, controversial and complex issues of, of society and culture. And to think to place every person in place in government or leadership being Christians, all of a sudden you're going to have this utopia is short-sighted and naive. All you need to know is that even Christians have trouble getting along with each other. Just look at the amount of denominations that we have had over the years. So rather than seeing, uh, trying to Christianize everything, quite frankly, I don't need scripture verses on my roll of mints, all right? I don't. But a lot of times that's what it becomes. It becomes this marketing uh, desire to control people uh, and try to influence them and to change them in such a way that you agree with a certain people that is in control. Now, I know I'm being hard, but one of the things you, if you read the Bible and if you read the Gospels especially. <clears throat> Jesus never ever sought to control people through political power. And if you think that's not true, I challenge you to find it in the, the Gospels. It's not there. What Jesus did do is invite people to follow him as a way of life and as a way of wisdom and as a way of love. Jesus was a shade tree for all those who would come to him. That's initially why we chose the name that we did, and now especially it is needed. So how does all this background relate to where we are currently in our church? Well, you received um, a little handout when you came in. Uh, I also emailed this to those that are on our email list. Um, we find ourselves at a place here where we need to make some decisions. As you know, when COVID hit a couple years back, 
um, initially we decided that we were going to an online uh, ministry only, and it lasted that way for a year. It had its effect upon us. Uh, the initial core that started this church uh, shrunk dramatically. Uh, we lost more than half the people uh, that was coming on a regular basis and contributing to the ministry here. And when we came back in person, uh, those individuals didn't come back, whether they moved on to another church or whether they're individuals that continue to only watch online when we finally post the services on Sunday afternoon. But that has presented a challenge uh, in relationship of moving ahead. To complicate matters, about a year ago, First Christian Church, because they too were suffering the effects of COVID, um, was dwindling dramatically. And as they dwindled dramatically, they realized from the size of their congregation, they could not keep this facility open. It was too expensive for them to do that. So they decided they were going to put the uh, building up for sale. And uh, the sell of this building took a long time. Uh, it took almost a year, and we continued to use the facility, and we continued to pay a monthly rent here uh, as a sublease for uh, the use of the building. Uh, about a couple months ago, uh, there was a buyer that uh, finally agreed to a purchase price, and First Christian Church was sold. Um, we heard the rumblings that there was an offering that was made, but nothing was finalized because uh, this ministry um, had to put all their finances together. Well, so finally two weeks ago, um, the building uh, sale was completed. The title was transferred to a church that on the west side, a bigger church, uh, wanted to do a church plant out of this building. Uh, they already have a pastor in place that um, they hope to plant a church and, and uh, try to e reach the east side here. The only problem is um, the people that bought this church are very different in their outlook than what we are. There was a couple of problems when I talked with this individual. Um, currently, we are paying $600 a month rent and uh, the, he wanted to increase that rent fee up to $1,500 a month. So that was one problem. The other problem was, and the more important problem, uh, was our mission, whether it's the old one or with the inclusion of being a safe place, uh, would be muddied here. Um, and they are not accepting, and they're not open, and they're not inclusive. So I brought this information for the past couple of months to our board, and I told our board, uh, here's the situation. We need to keep in mind that uh, when this uh, ministry takes over full control, that there could be possible changes. Well, in my conversation with this individual, I said, I, I want to be straightforward with you. Uh, I said, um, we are an open, inclusive uh, community of people that accepts people. And he says, well, that's no problem. If we were trying to mer merge our churches together, that would be a problem, but we're not. And uh, I've been in the ministry long enough, uh, enough to know code words and to see through things. And, um, 
And I began to think, oh my gosh, um, this is a potential problem. And the rest of the board agreed with that. So this caused us to kind of step back and say, how do we refrain, reframe our situation here? So when we move ahead here, what I have said to you is over the last 50 years, Christianity has been more political and power hungry, but especially within one branch of um, politics, uh, there has been a rise of Christian nationalism and this seductive mix of religion and politics. So one of the things that um, we talked about is finding another place to, um, to meet. And that's not as easy as it sounds. When you think about a church, a church consists of people, it consists of resources, and it consists of a place big enough for 20, 30, 40, 50 people to meet, and a place that needs enough parking <laughs> for those amount of people to, to come to. So it's, it's challenging. Sometimes there are empty storefronts, uh, but uh, in checking into some of those things, uh, many, many times those storefronts are not zoned where we could... Uh, move a church in there. Uh, secondly, the cost per month to move into an empty space is um, far even beyond the doubling of what we're paying in rent here. So I began checking into a few areas here. Um, one was up here on Euclid Avenue called the Abbey, which is attached to the McMahon Coin Funeral Home. It looks like a church is a big white building. In um, talking with them, they do far too many uh, services there to be able to make that happen. I checked into the Seventh-day Adventist church that recently sold their facility to a uh, real estate company. And I called the real estate company and said, uh, would you be interested in letting us rent the place? And they said... No, they wanted to uh, sell it outright. And uh, so uh, they were also looking uh, for a substantial amount that's far beyond where we're at financially. So I talked to my boss over at uh, the funeral home that we began at, and uh, he is open to having us come back there if we would like. But if you remember when we were meeting there, um, if there was some business that was going to be uh, taking place on Sunday early afternoon for visitation and stuff, that was a bit challenging to tear down and get that out of the way quickly before we wheel the casket into the, the room, that type of thing. And although it's a lovely place, uh, that has its challenges as far as kind of taking some of the equipment and stuff and knowing where to store it. So I called uh, Mike Courier, who began uh, McKinley Outreach Center, and talked to him a little bit, and uh, he would be open to having us come back there, and actually, um, we could continue on the same budget that we're working with if we make a contribution there. Those of you who have been with us a long period of time know that uh, we remodeled uh, a complete classroom up there. We uh, painted, uh, we put new drop ceiling in, uh, we put a wonderful laminate wood floor 
uh, in there. And I asked Mike, I said, Mike, um, we're at a position right now where we really don't need the full size of the gym unless we grow some more. And uh, would we be able to use that room? And he said, absolutely. And um, I think that um, is open to us. It could help us to maintain our budget. And it could allow us then, if we do grow some more, um, to be able to move back into the gym. Um, that gym needs a, a nice painting in it. Maybe we could volunteer to rent a lift and paint it or something if we were going to move back into that space. Um, one of the things that happened when we began the ministry and we moved up to McKinley is we did see people that uh, were from the local apartments around McKinley um, to come in and visit with us. I kind of thought we might have more walk-in uh, people to visit us at this location, being close to downtown. That didn't happen as, as much as what I thought it would. But one of the things that um, uh, did happen there was uh, we were able to serve when they were serving breakfast. Once a month we were serving breakfast as an outreach to the community there as a church. That was a wonderful ministry that uh, had a wonderful team that uh, put together wonderful breakfasts. Um, the, some of the kids uh, that would come to youth group on Thursday night would sometimes make their way in on Sunday as well. So those are all positives. Another positive is um, the, the initial problem that we had at McKinley, the roof where there was on that flat roof a lot of uh, leaks, uh, is about to be fixed. It's taken three years. They received a grant from the state uh, to replace the roof. I don't know, um, but the, the replacement of that roof was between $80,000 and $100,000. And uh, Mike told me they're going to begin November 1st replacing that roof. So that should be something that uh, clears up that particular problem. The other thing, the director, Beth Morgan, and I know it sounds like a sales pitch, but it's, I'm not really trying to make that as a, this as a sales pitch, but the other thing is Beth Morgan has done a wonderful job as director uh, cleaning up the place. Uh, the place initially looked like kind of a rundown thrift store. That has been completely cleaned up. Everything is organized and clean and, and, and painted, and, and uh, you'd be surprised at how much it has changed over the last three years. So um, that's what I wanted to share with you today, and I want to open it up to you, and I want to ask some questions uh, that I think are important for us to talk about for a few moments. How do you feel about us um, finishing up this place as a, a location for our ministry and either moving someplace else or moving back uh, to McKinley. Uh, second question would be if that is uh, favorable to you as a congregation, uh, when would we want to make that move? And then finally, uh, we do have a number of things here from the kids' ministry room upstairs to some of the equipment <clears throat> we would need. <coughs> excuse me. 
we definitely would need some help in moving uh, the stuff. And if all of the stuff does not fit, fit up at McKinley, at least initially, because we're in a smaller space, uh, we as a board would probably look to uh, rent uh, some uh, storage unit, for a small storage unit for a while to put some of that stuff in there. Uh, to either wait till we need it or to liquidate it if that's necessary too. So I want to open it up to you, and I know this is going to be hard for you online to hear the question uh, or the comments of people that are here, but I will repeat it for you and, and then repeat their answer. Uh, so let me open it up. Do you have some thoughts? Uh, I can't hear you unless you're right on top of the computer, Pastor Larry. Okay. Well, you'll be able to catch it onto YouTube, okay? We'll upload it okay, this afternoon, okay? Uh, uh, we could, yeah. <clears throat> There's a microphone that Corey will have available if you want to make some comments. So, yeah. Anybody want to make some comments? Uh, I can either repeat it for those that are online, or you can come up and use the microphone here if you're not bashful. What are your thoughts? Do you think it has, we have come to the time where we need to move from this facility? I see some heads shaking. Yeah? Okay. We don't have to be out at any given date. Okay? So the choice would be, so the question was, when would we have to be out of here? Uh, there is uh, no set date on that. When the doubling of the rent would occur, uh, I don't know. Uh, but that's okay. If it's for a month or two, that's fine. But uh, probably we'd want to do it before cold weather would hit. So probably in October or early November, I think, would be an ideal situation. Okay. Thank you. Other comments, questions? Uh, yeah, Dan. <clears throat> oh. So, uh, Dan just asked, have we had any conversation with other churches that might uh, have us, whether it's the Episcopal Church uh, down in Willoughby on Ridge Road or the Methodist Church? Uh, the answer to that is no, um, and primarily because I think those of us who are here working in this space have come to the realization that it's kind of hard for two churches to share the same facility, especially if there is a huge difference between uh, the styles of ministry. So one of the things that happened here was when First Christian met, they had one style of service using piano or organ, but they didn't like all of the equipment to be out. So we had to rush in and try to set some things up. And if you had a glitch, you know, you couldn't iron it out before it was time to start. So that's a little bit difficult. As far as the Methodist church goes, I don't know which way this Methodist church is going to go. And what I mean by that is if you're not aware the Methodist Church is about ready to split down the middle on the LGBTQ issue. 
So one will be the United Methodist Church, uh, the other will be the World Methodist Church. And it, it's, um, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see which churches will go one direction and the others will go the other. As far as the, as the Episcopal Church down on Ridge Road in Willoughby, I, haven't, um, uh, I do know the pastor down there, Roseanne. She's a wonderful lady. I have not had conversations with her about that. Um, we talk all the time, Corey and I talk all the time about how difficult it is when you have to tear down completely and reset up every week. When it comes to electronics, a lot of times the more you wrap it, the more you fold it and put it away, there are shorts and stuff that get into the system and then you have to try to trace it out and all that type of thing. In, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, it'd be nice to have a space where we just have it set up and we leave it set up. And so that's the problem with other churches is they're using the space that we would try to use. Good question. Annie. Okay. Good question. So the question is, Annie asked, uh, if we go back to McKinley, are we going to have to worry about setting up and tearing down again? The answer to that is not initially, okay? Because if we use this room, which is plenty big enough for the amount of people that are here, uh, we can leave it set up, and that wouldn't be a problem. And we can use the chairs that we have down in the social hall and leave it set up in there, that type of thing. If we move back into the gym, then that would be a little bit more of an issue because on Thursday nights with the youth group, um, the kids love to play basketball, okay? So um, that's one of the main attractions to the kids that are coming in. Is they love playing basketball and eating food and then the lessons that follow. So it's all kind of a, a package deal. When that would happen, I don't know. It depends upon whether we grow as a church or not. If not, you know, that room probably would be sufficient for us and it would solve some of the problems there. Okay. Other thoughts or questions, comments? Dan. So Dan asked the question, when we were at the funeral home, was it awkward being there? Um, the answer to that is yes and no. No in the sense of we, um, it was a very comfortable place that was easy to set up, that had its own sound system. We have a couple of TVs that are, are, are there as well. Yes, it was awkward when on a Sunday afternoon, there would be um, a need to transition to a uh, to calling hours. So you know, then we'd have to bring up a casket from the basement. And what it did 
was any lingering conversations that we had with people, once they saw the casket coming up on the lift, they scattered. Okay, uh, does, uh, that type of thing. So yes and no. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a great place to start. It was a very comfortable, clean, uh, inviting place. But it had its challenges because of the business side of it. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay. Other comments or questions? Yeah, Mark? So Mark mentioned that he's a bit torn because um, you have all the amenities at the funeral home, the heating, the air conditioning, uh, the comfortable uh, environment. Um, sometimes we had issues, we did have issues with heat and, and there's no cooling at McKinley in the gym. So the summers could be hot. However, if we're in that room, that can be solved. Um, you know, we can use a window air conditioner if we're in there next summer. Uh, the heat, it, that room always stays warmer than the gym because uh, Brittany and others that worked the uh, children's ministry in there, all you really had to do was turn the, um, the vent on, the fan on, and it would it, it'd be plenty warm in there. In there. So, um, and you are right, Mark. Um, we tended to touch more people at McKinley. Um, at the funeral home, you had an initial surge of people that came. And again, a lot of that has been lost because of COVID. We, just like the restaurants, some people made it back and others didn't. And others had to kind of curtail how many people they could have in their restaurant because they don't have enough servers. So. This pandemic has complicated things so much uh, in regard to ministry, and I'm not sure any. Uh, I'm not sure that it hasn't affected any church. I think every church has been affected by that, not just us. Okay, so yeah, I I feel what you're saying about kind of being torn between the two. But other thoughts, Clint. So what Clint uh, just said is, what area needs the presence of a church more? Would it be up at the McKinley area or staying in downtown Willoughby area? And I think there's a clear answer to that. I think North Willoughby needs a church far more than downtown Willoughby does because you do have the Methodist church. As you go on up Euclid Avenue, um, you have the Catholic Church, you have Willoughby Bible Church, you, as you get up towards Shanklin where the high school is, you have the Presbyterian Church up there as well. 
Uh, up north, um, you have a small Abundant Life Church on Lakeshore Boulevard um, in, in North Willoughby. But other than that, there's not a lot of presence there. So um, I would say that the clear-cut answer to that is North Willoughby needs a church more than downtown. Can I put my two cents worth in Please. Where? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I felt that we were most alive as a church and doing what God wanted us to do at McKinley. I think um, we were reaching out into the community more there. And I don't know, I just felt that was the place to be. And I think, you know, if there's a move to be made, I think that would probably be the best. But then again, we're sitting here in Columbus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, but I really think we had more of an outreach when we were at McKinley. And that's what we want to do. Good. Thank you. Thanks for your input. Others have any thoughts? Yeah. Great question. So SD asked, is children ministry going to be coming back and does that factor into a location choice? And the answer to that is hopefully yes and yes. Uh, what I mean by that is we would like to get the children's ministry back up and running. It's going to take a little bit of effort to get the people to work in children's ministry. Yes, it will play into the location choice because uh, the only option really uh, over at the funeral home would be to go down into the reception area, okay, uh, to do a children's ministry. Or possibly go over to the Kennedy House, which is across the parking lot. At McKinley, there are some additional classrooms that could be right next to us, um, and, um, you know, that could be used for children's ministry. We're already using it for youth ministry, so, I mean, it's, you know... That way, it's kind of tied together in, in one location. But yes, we would love to get children's ministry back up and going. Uh, we would love to be able to have some people step in and serve in that capacity. And yes, it probably would be better at McKinley because there's plenty of classrooms. It was a school versus the funeral home. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the classroom situation up at McKinley would have to be ironed out as to whether we could move some children's furniture in there. I haven't talked to Mike about that, okay? However, um, there are two rooms uh, that are adjacent to the room that we refinished and remodeled. And those two rooms, one of those rooms is used once a week by an AA group, okay? So um, I don't think there'd be a problem using the rooms. Um, I think it would be just a matter of whether we could talk with uh, the board of, of McKinley to say, can we leave some, some small tables and chairs and TV in there, that type of thing. I don't think it'd be a problem. That's, that's my gut, saying that. Okay. Anybody else? Annie, did I see your hand again? Oh, I was just going to touch on what um, um, they probably, they 
Yeah. Yeah. So Annie said up at McKinley, we did have a huge variety of different people from different walks of life come in. And actually, that's reflective of what we think the church should be, diverse. And, uh, and being able to love each other amidst our diversity. And, uh, and so you're right, yeah. Anybody else? Um, I do, but yeah. mm-hmm. um, I have a couple of things. One, um, are we set and staying in staying in the city of Willoughby, or are we willing to go someplace else in Lake County? I haven't ventured outside of the Willoughby area. Um, I mean, if the prime opportunity came up, I think we should consider it. Um, however, Willoughby seems to be a nice central area uh, for it, in three directions anyways. I mean, got the lake to the north, but you still have, um, you know, th- a three-direction outreach from North Willoughby. So... Um, the best way I can answer that is uh, it, I think we always need to be open to where God might lead us, but, you know, at this point, um, we have been looking only in the, in the Willoughby community. That's correct. Okay. And then, um, with that, are we solely being... Um, narrowing in on only McKinley or the the funeral home? Are we not wanting, are we having tunnel vision on those two places or are we going to venture to look out someplace else? Well, ideally it'd be nice, it would be nice not to have to move again and again, but um, at, at, at this point, considering our budget, number one, um, those are our two best options to stay on budget with a monthly rent. Um, the other thing might be if we do find other uh, another place that would be adequate, what I have done is uh, looked around and, and called uh, some people with other, uh, other locations and that type of thing, and it doesn't seem to me that we're going to, nearly touch the $500 to $600 a month rent at other locations. It just seems that it's a little, that would be a challenge to find some place that could be within that budget, so. I gotcha. And that place on Euclid Avenue um, wouldn't be up for topic that salon, huh? So what Autumn did, uh, she was um, looking around and emailed me or texted me a location up and uh, up in the end of Euclid Avenue. There's a building there. Actually, it's the building where our boys went to the orthodontist across from TJ Maxx and Marks up there um, on 91 in Euclid Avenue. Um, what I have found when I've gone through spaces like that are office facilities is that the rooms are so small you'd have to do some demolition to even create enough space to, to get some people to come in. So that, I don't know, it would have to be a, an open, kind of an open area a little bit more to be able to get 25, 35, 40 people in. 
So that's my only concern with that location. Okay. All right. So here's the toughest part. Um, I saw a lot of nodding of the heads. I would really like to kind of see by hand, and I'm not trying to embarrass you in any way, um, how many of you feel it's time to move beyond this location? Can I see your hands? Okay. How many of you um, would prefer to go to, back to McKinley? Can I see your hands? Okay, not as many, but... Um, so I guess what I'm getting a feel for is that the majority definitely would like to move beyond this location. Um, unless something else comes up that I could communicate that to the congregation, I think our, our best bet, at least in the immediate, is to go back to McKinley, unless God just drops something out of the sky for us that makes a lot of sense. Um, can I also ask the question, uh, how many of you, if we move to another location, would be available to help us if we selected a, a date to move to get our, all of our material into a, into a truck and get it moved? Okay, great, thanks. Um, I'm going to have... Uh, I'm going to have Emma and, and Corey come back up. We're going to do a song, and here's how I would like to close our time together. Uh, as you can see on the screen, we want to continue to learn to um, do the invisible, quieter work of service, of love, that it might be absorbed by the hearts of those we serve. And reframing is unlearning the toxic elements of religion. I want to... Uh, I want to give you a quote, and it's going to take me about two minutes to read this, but I think it is very substantial. And then we're going to have a closing song, and then we will be done. This comes from Stan Mitchell. Stan Mitchell, uh, a couple of weeks ago on his Facebook uh, post, wrote this, and I think it is, he did such a good job of summarizing what I've been trying to tell you. He said, Christianity did not wait until the present moment to get to the matter of who is included and who is excluded terribly wrong. Now, what he's referring to here is we often think the first century church is the ideal church. Well, you must remember it took them a while before they were uh, this, this, the beginnings of this church of Jesus, which began out of Judaism. It took them a while to accept Gentiles to come into the church, and that's what he's referring to. He says, regrettably, that air was embedded in the foundation of our religion from its very first day. We avoid the facts to our own diminishment from our inception, and for a, long, um, for a time too long, we are called a group of people, actually the vast majority of all human beings living at that time, unclean dirty, sullied, spoiled, untouchable. Our earliest leaders were defiantly clear those people could not be a part of the church, could not be baptized, could not be filled with God's Spirit, and adding doctrinal in insult to theological injury, Christians were not even supposed to eat a meal with them, 
Our leaders were sure they were right on this, absolutely sure. They had no doubt this was what the Scriptures clearly said. This particular exclusion had been a part of their tradition for centuries. In spite of their own words, as well as the words of many Scriptures they quoted, Scriptures that indicated God was pouring out His Spirit on all flesh, and the gospel was to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth and in every nation, our primal authorities simply could not wrap their minds around what those alls and ends and everys actually meant. The bottom line is, right from the start, the earliest Christians were wrong on the matter of inclusion, exclusion, grievously wrong. Thankfully, though, that was not the way the story ended for them. To their own credit, those first leaders were also correctable. Though it took a while, they ultimately got the matter right. And I am personally thankful they did, as I am a part of a group my earliest religious forebears clearly excluded. And so, understanding Christianity's dubious foundation as it relates to exclusionary practices and not only our early foundational failure with the Gentiles, but our repetitive failures since that time as well. I am perplexed, dumbfounded, and sincerely dismayed when Christians anywhere at any time act, and I assume genuinely feel, amazed, incredulous, often offended even, when it is suggested we could possibly be making the same mistake again. Have we forgotten our story and our history? Or worse, are we choosing to ignore it and its lessons? The fact is, there is a reason our story started the way it started. There is a reason as a religion movement from our earliest days, we wrongly narrowed the wide sweeping arc of God's mercy and misguidedly siloed divine love. And that is because from time immemorial, we humans have been prone to strong sentiments of scarcity, selfishness, fear, competition, and hoarding. These thoughts and actions are a part of the fabric of our most base dare I say, fallen condition. And it is obvious, the matter of God and the commodity of grace find no exclusion here to that end. As foolish as our initial exclusion of Gentile people was, it was just that wise to not gloss over it, to not sweep it under the rug, to not act like it never happened. It was and is a gift to us, one given by those same flawed leaders to have been handed a pristine report of an early church showing up and shining from antiquity as some perfect prototype or moral exemplar. Far from it, by resisting the sure urge to redact their mistakes out of the story, the New Testament authors gave us something far more valuable. They gave us an example of humility, correctability, and the desire to get things right even when we have been grossly wrong. Sweet Christ in this, may the early church be our great example. That's what reframing is all about. So, oh, that religion might be loving and that our belief system might understand that no one is excluded from the grace and mercy of God. For the great test of Christianity is not just that you love Jesus, but that you love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Let's stand. And let's sing together our closing song.